It's refreshment time, folks. This is where you fall down. Those are $500 sunglasses, asshole. Fatality. Choose your destiny. Have a TV? No. I just like to read the TV guide. Read the TV guide. I don't need a TV. I pay money, you carry the bags. Or is that too complicated? Friendship. Friendship. Again, Mortal Kombat is not about death. <laughs> Feel the power of Tusty. You suck. Get over here! Nightwolf wins. Damn, you barbecued his ass. It has begun! Welcome to the Frog Brothers Podcast with your hosts, Justin and Alec. Alright, welcome to uh, episode 8 of the Frog Brothers Podcast. Uh, I'm here with my esteemed colleague, Justin. Hi, and welcome to Movie Phone. Today, we are going to be talking about Mortal Kombat, all things Mortal Kombat. The movies, the games, the uh, television shows, the toys, the live shows. The live tour. Live from Mortal Kombat, it's the Frog Brothers Podcast. Alright, well, we, uh, we have a guest joining us today as well which we'll introduce in just a moment for you. Uh, You got any opening remarks, Charles in Charge? Well, even though this is the Mortal Kombat special, I thought it would be noteworthy to say that got my hands on the uh, rest of the real Ghostbusters, Kenner Retro releases, Green Ghost, a.k.a. Slimer, and uh, Mr. Stay Puffed himself, and apparently you did too, so that's pretty slick there. So Series 1 is complete. Another note, uh, let's see, what's today? The uh, Today's a big Star Wars uh, special day, so the original was released on this day, and uh, Solo, and uh, which was the other one that was released this day? I don't know, you tell me. <clears throat> yeah, I had it in my mind earlier, but I only remember, like, I remember the good and the bad, like, yeah, the original, great. Solo, eh, not so much. Hey, but speaking of uh, Star Wars and Star Wars stuff being released today, I did find a pre-special edition VHS box set at the thrift store, which I think I'm going to keep wearing masks. Anytime I go into a thrift store after that, the place smelled a lot less bad when I was in there wearing a mask, and I think that's just a cool fucking thing to do going forward in thrift stores because they're dirty and gross. Speaking of Star and Wars VHSs that are unedited... There was a long time ago in Olathe, Kansas, when the three of us actually all lived there. I, I don't know, Justin, you might have lived in Overlook Park or some bullshit, but we lived there. Our guests lived there. And I got my hands on some CBS Fox original unedited VHS tapes. And the first thing I did was bring them over to our guest's house, where we proceeded to binge watch all three of them. Uh, I guess back then we would have just called it a marathon. I remember we showed it to uh, our guest's father who I don't remember his reaction whatsoever, but I just remember we were excited. And uh, so our guest today, he's already on the line, he's listening in. He's like a dirty cuck right now. Here he is, Nathan Bartocci. It's now time to welcome this week's special guest. And joining me right now is two-time Tony Award winning actor and four-time Drama Desk Award winner, Nathan Bartocci. Tusty! 
Uh, hello. How's it going? <laughs> hello. Thanks for having me on today. Hi. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. How's it feel to be the first guest? It's a it's a it's a great honor. I'm I'm really excited. I've been listening to all of your episodes, and uh, I really love your podcast. I mean, you guys talk about you know stuff that I like, movies I like, and pop culture just in general that I'm super into over here. So I I get a lot of a lot of fun out of listening to your podcasts. Gotcha. Well, don't break an arm jerking us off, but hey, yeah, uh, you know, we, yeah don't break a both of them. <laughs> Uh, we'd snuggle the shit out of you right now if you were here. We'd make a little sandwich out of you. Uh, that's just weird and awkward. Um, no, we wouldn't do that. We Don't make claims that you're not willing to hit you with bars of soap, but that's fine. And by bars of soap, he means our penises. Naturally, naturally. So Don't uh, tell everyone their nicknames. So the first thing, we're going to be talking about Mortal Kombat today. Um, I did some research... So we could talk about the, one of the first things I want to talk about today is the uh, new Mortal Kombat movie they're making. That's supposed to come out in January. Have you either of you read much about this or heard much about it yet? Uh, yeah. No. Why don't you fill me in, Doctor? I figured Nathan might have at least done some shit on this. I have a bunch of notes written down, but uh, tell me what you got. What do you got in your head, you Nathan? Talk- what do you know about? Oh, it? me. Oh, well. Uh- yeah, I mean, I've been looking into it. Um, you know, it looks it looks pretty cool. There's some some things that seem you know that make me optimistic. Uh, you know, just like looking today at the Wikipedia and stuff, seeing that Scorpion's name is also Hanzo Hasashi and Sub Zero is Bihan. Um, just kind of like that little detail right there. Looking at the casting makes me feel optimistic that maybe there's going to be you know, a decent amount of uh, care put into character development and really playing out the lore of the of the series. So that has me optimistic. Definitely, I, I agree with that. I was looking at it and noted that myself because uh, those are Scorpion and Sub-Zero's real names, obviously, the first Sub-Zero. And uh, they obviously have some history, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the movie, how much of that's in there. I bet there'll be some backgrounds finally and stuff. Um, the guy who's playing Scorpion was in the movie uh, The Wolverine is the only thing I could find out that he was in that I could see. But he was in a bunch of other stuff, too, it looked like, that I just didn't recognize. The guy who plays Sub-Zero was in uh, Fast and Furious 6 and Star Trek Beyond. So there's an interesting cast for it. It's not a whole whole lot of people on there, but what did you think about, like, it looks like a mostly classic characters except Nitara randomly in there yeah yeah I saw that that's pretty cool I mean if you know Nitara hasn't made an appearance in any of the games in a long time and um you know once again that just indicates that they might be doing more world building here and and really you know diving into the the giant expanse of lore that's available to them so I mean that gives me a lot of optimism I you know I think that one thing that might be um that does have me a little bit concerned is um it looks like it's the director's directorial debut, so we don't know. We don't have a lot to go off of there. And then um, the screenwriter, he I know he also wrote Mortal Kombat Rebirth, which I know we're going to kind of talk about that, but that gives me a bit of a fear just based on how that video was in terms of you know trying to turn Baraka into some human, a reptile is a human, he's got some genetic disorder, and it's just like, you know, I don't want to see that stuff. I want, if you guys are going to do Mortal Kombat, I want... Baraka to be from Outworld and Reptile to be a reptile, you know? So I hope that they don't. Yeah. 
So, yeah, the director, his name is Simon McQuaid, or McQuaid, or I don't know how the fuck he says his name, but it's, uh, and then, uh, James Wan is a producer on it. He's very hit or miss on some random shit. I think he produced Aquaman. He was obviously very famous for Saw and stuff like that, but, um, it's supposed to be released January 15th, 2021 by Warner Brothers. It's got the cast so far because we haven't really talked about that much other than a couple of those characters, but it says uh, Raiden is cast, Jax is cast, Nitara, Shang Tsung, Kano, Liu Kang, Sonya, Scorpion, Sub-Zero, and uh, it says Johnny Cage will appear, but that's all it says on there. Yeah, that's strange. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. I'm like, I, w- I would love some Johnny Cage, because <clears throat> especially even more recently, like how they had the Cage family kind of be more the forefront in the games and stuff. Like, that story and the way they did it worked really well. So yeah, I'd like to see some of the reboot elements in the new movie was what I would like, but I don't know what they're going to do. So I have a feeling what they're going to do is they're going to bring Johnny Cage in. In the first five minutes, someone's going to snap his neck, and, you know, that'll be the end of that. It'll be good. Johnny! <laughs> oh, yeah. Let, uh, let's give me flashbacks here to Nam. So here, wait. I mean, annihilation. Real quick, before uh, while we're talking about a Mortal Kombat overview in general here, I thought we were talking about the war in Viet fucking Nam. Yeah, no, Uh, Nathan. I recall growing up hearing that your dad was roommates or some shit with uh, Lyndon Ashby. Was this ever accurate, or was this just kind of a thing? I, I mean, I haven't gone back and, like, looked at the college records. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my dad was in the... Uh, he went to Boulder, Colorado, and uh, he was in the theater program there. And so, yeah, he says that he he, uh, he knew Lyndon Ashby from, from that college, I guess, to some capacity. I don't think he okay. ever said they were, like, best friends. Okay. okay, see, I had it in my head as roommates, and that could probably just be me misremembering things. But that's still dope as hell. It's like, you know... There's that. Well, at least that's cleared up in my head. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's pretty much my <laughs> my father's brother's cousin's sister's former roommate. Um, <laughs> so what does that? Well, what does that make us? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have any more uh, general notes about just Mortal Kombat in general before we move on to the coin-operated conversations? Um, yeah, I mean, we can just, you know, we can kind of flow with it. Obviously, you know, I think Mortal Kombat's a franchise that, that doesn't need much introduction to people. Um, it's an incredible series, and yeah, I mean, let's just roll with it. So, Justin, um, this is, I think, a good time for you to talk about that live show, because everybody knows there was a Mortal Kombat live show, just like there was a Ninja Turtles one and some other weird, like, that, that kind of mid to late 90s thing where they had these live shows that was almost like crossover with, like, how wrestling felt and shit, so... Why don't you go ahead and talk oh, about how that oh, was? You, you guys missed out on the glory of this. So <laughs> my friend Joel and I went to this, and it was downtown Kansas City. And uh, his grandma took us, because his grandma used to take us to do everything. Uh, she's a total fucking badass. Uh, Joel's grandma was fucking super cool like that. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember her. Her name is Marilyn. Yeah, she'd always take us out, so we wanted to go to this live tour thing, so... Remember, we got up and uh, hit Wendy's for lunch before we went to the show, and then walking downtown to get in there, it was freezing as balls. I mean, it was like, you know, I remember being a kid and being like, man, this 
walk fucking sucks. But then you get in there and it's like pretty fucking wild and crazy because you know it's all the Mortal Kombat stuff up in the lobby there. You know, and like we're young enough, like we're like, oh, here we're impressed by all this shit. You know, hell yeah, uh, we weren't jaded or cynical yet. We're like, holy shit, they're actually gonna be doing <laughs> this here. Give uh, it a few it was, years. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty wild and crazy, uh, ultra cheesy. And, you know, like with smoke and laser lights and everything else there. And, you know, I had a Heather Gray Mortal Kombat The Live Tour shirt, which um, if you're a real Mortal Kombat fan, and I'm not going to debate whether or not I am because I already had the shirt. I've parted (laughs) with it. But if you're a real fan, you'd probably get on eBay or Etsy and buy either a replica or an original Mortal Kombat The Live Tour shirt. Yeah, don't challenge Justin. Don't challenge Justin with Mortal Kombat trivia off it it doesn't go past the th- for third game really <laughs> no uh well I, i'm playing the current one so you know i got a little bit of stuff there well there you go no but the live tour was awesome because like shao khan's basically in the background like narrating this whole thing and the fighting super cheesy the story was terrible and i think uh, it was a I saw some of the costumes for it and i think a, i think it was a cinemassacre video when they were covering some random mortal Kombat stuff Oh, I, I saw some, some of the costumes for it and stuff, and they were fucking. Some of them were like, "Oh, that's not terrible." No, it's not terrible. And some of them were like, just like abortions. they made them generic enough, though, that you you know, no matter where you're sitting at in there. And I remember it was weird because like they had things set up like folding chairs set up on the floor, <laughs> and yeah, like set up like in rows for your seating, like that's where you sat, like right. So they had it all laid out there, and it was. Bizarre, well, I wish Scorpion should have picked up a folding chair and <laughs> tossed it over at Johnny Cage. Yeah, no, it wasn't WWE, but I mean, it probably would have been better had it been that. But it took Scorpion's place. The other a, thing, you're fucking my woman. A, it took place Get a, over in here a, in a school auditorium. It took place. It was really special. <laughs> oh, it was basically felt like a, a school auditorium with the way that was. I mean, except it had lasers and smoke and. That's epic. They also had a screen on each side of the stage, you know, that showed like some zooming in of the the fighting, but the costumes didn't need to be great because you were far enough away, like it didn't matter. <laughs> and then the projection at the time in the mid '90s for du- dual screens on the side like that was nothing to write home about. Um, I remember that about as well as I remember the Ninja Turtles live show, which was like um, it's hokey and it's fun if you're a kid, but I feel so bad for all the parents that had to. <laughs> fucking go sit through that shit. <laughs> I can only hope I that they bring seeing that all the commercials. Oh, sorry. Right? No, go I ahead. I mean, pretty sure you can get on YouTube and just watch a video of it and relive the fact that you probably saved your $25 ticket admission fee back in the day. <laughs> and your parents will thank you for it now. Oh, man. Well, let's get into uh, coin-operated conversations. I'll show you, kid. Alright, so coin-operated conversations this week. We're going to talk about any Mortal Kombat games, preferably the new ones, just because that's what's out and what's happening, but uh, also the new 1UP Arcade unit. I don't know how new it is, but it's out right now. You can buy them right now at Walmart, and uh, Nathan happens to have one. So, what do you think of that? I'll, uh, I'm I'm curious about that arcade unit. So, tell me about it. Yeah. So, uh, 
yeah, I got the Mortal Kombat um, arcade unit here, and it's actually running right now. You know, once again, it, it helps me harness my chi. You got to harness the chi, and uh, so mm-hmm. so yeah, it's a it's a really awesome you know piece of memorabilia, especially for someone like myself who's a you know really big fan of Mortal Kombat. Um, you know, the only issue is like I don't have someone to play it with that often, and towers are pretty ridiculous on that, but. Um, you know, just as a as a really awesome collector's item, it does feel really good. Um, it has all three of the original Mortal Kombat games on there. Um, the cabinet style is based on Mortal Kombat 2, which is really good because it's, uh, you know, ideally the mo- or I, it's uh, considered kind of the most iconic or the best by most people. So it's really cool that the cabinet's based on that. And yeah, man, I mean, this thing's an awesome piece of a uh, piece of your living room if you if you're a big fan of the series. Yeah, I've been uh, delivering pizza lately and making a fuck ton of extra money, so I'm thinking I'm going to pick one up here soon while they're still available in stores because eventually they'll stop making them so much or they'll you know they'll make new ones and stuff, but I've always wanted a Mortal Kombat 4 arcade unit just because I love the specifically the ones with the huge Quan Chi image on the side. Oh, totally. I think it looks dope. But, um, yeah, I think... Those I, I was uh, curious about how it felt when you were playing it because it's like I don't know how much of it's emulated or what kind of software or what they're doing with that arcade unit. But if it's official, then chances are Ed Boon at least was like, "All right, I gotta at least look at this thing and make sure you're not fucking it up." So that's a that's a great that's a great um, kind of point. Um, it actually feels really really good. It has really good joysticks. The buttons are essentially uh, one-to-one with what the buttons would be on those cabinets uh, in terms of the high punch, high kick, low punch, low kick, run button, the block button. It's all it's all perfect match. Plenty of space between player one and two. The screen is really good. And it is, it's a, it is an absolute, it's like a one-to-one of the arcade versions of the game. So to unlock the secret fighters in Mortal Kombat 3, you have to do the same stuff you did on the arcade cabinet to have the fight with reptile in mortal Kombat one you have to meet the same exact qualifications and all that stuff it's one-to-one. Oh, that's dope as hell yeah it's a lot of i fun. saw that they also had uh they also had just to mention we already mentioned ninja turtles once but uh i did see at walmart they had a turtles in time one now now so yeah oh. but i will tell you right now i've played the turtles in time arcade cabinet a lot lately at one of the arcade bars here in kansas city and this is a hot take, so don't get is your it beating your ass. Don't is it get yourselves your all butt hurt. No, the arcade version's trash. There's way less levels than there are on the Super Nintendo level or on the Super oh. Nintendo version. So there's extra levels that are on there, so the game's longer, and there's additional villains in there, and some of the villains are laid out in different areas. So it's I found the Super Nintendo version much more enjoyable. Now, that being said, I have not played the reskin version they released on the PS3. You know how they reskinned that game and re-released it. Did either of you guys play that? I saw that. It, I heard it was like really overly watered down from a control mechanic standpoint, is what the reviews I saw said. So, um, uh, Yeah, I didn't ever play it. But, yeah, I mean, I, I still have, I still have uh, Ninja Turtles on the, on the NES and uh, got Turtles in Time on the Super Nintendo as well. I mean, those are great, great games. A lot of fun. Yeah, I uh, I've so, been uh, I eyeballing some of the tube TVs at my Goodwill, and I think I'm about to pick one up so I can hook my NES and SNS up because I got 
I also have the first Ninja Turtles game where on the cover art they all have the red bandanas on or whatever and then uh, the face mask and then I also have Turtles in Time on SNS from when we had as a kid so if you have the NES games that we had growing up as kids you should have my copy of Ninja Turtles 3 Manhattan Project the Manhattan Project yes yeah I think I do as long as it's still in there that's oh, that's awesome, awesome um, too. Yeah. But speaking of which, so the reason I bring up the Turtles in Time thing and it missing shit, so the exact opposite happened. So the first Mortal Kombat game I owned myself was Mortal Kombat 2 for the Sega Game Gear. That was the only Sega system I ever had as a kid. But we did a fair amount of road trips and stuff, so I uh, talked Mom and Dad into get me a Game Gear, and then I had this you know, built-in like a rechargeable battery pack. And that thing was like double the weight of the whole fucking game <laughs> gear at the time. But Mortal Kombat 2 on there was light, so you didn't have all the fighters. Um, you know, the, the game gear is a small small system, so you only had a limited number of fighters to play as. So, you know, basically anyone that had a duplicate... Um, I still have that somewhere, too. Yeah, duplicate character, you know, but just with a, a color swap and maybe some move swaps... You know, you're basically going to see those included on there just because you're able to get more bang for your buck out of your um, game save stuff that way and your file size. So, but and then so I I'd always remember being pissed going to the arcade or going and playing in someone's house on Genesis or something else or you know Super Nintendo and Mortal Kombat two, and then you have all these characters. And you're like, God damn it, I want to play as those characters in the fucking car. <laughs> so. What was most of... Nathan, what's your experience with Mortal Kombat 1 through 3? Since that's kind of like the first yeah. Mortal Kombat era. Yeah. Like, what what systems did you play those on and stuff? Yeah, so that's a, basically my my genesis into Mortal Kombat was, was not on the genesis. Uh, my kind of <laughs> awakening to Mortal Kombat was through Mortal Kombat Trilogy on the Nintendo 64 um, that was the first Glorious. time I, yeah, that was the first time I ever encountered the game and the movie was fresh kids in the neighborhood are playing the soundtrack to the movie. And, you know, it was, it was really rad. Um, so that was kind of my introduction. I was still pretty young, but you know, I'm lifelong fan. So it's like, it's all right. You know, uh, trilogy. Right. Yeah. So I remember, I think, I don't know, at one point we had a copy, maybe it was rented or borrowed from somebody. But we played Mortal Kombat, I think it was 3, on Super Nintendo at our house. That I was had on, Super. Uh, or I, yeah, for the Super Nintendo, I had Mortal Kombat 3. But what always yeah, pissed me off is... I don't know what happened to that. Well, you have all the fucking consoles, so... No, listen, that, that game... No, no, <laughs> motherfucker, that game... I will fight you over this because that game has been missing since I've had my hands on the console. I don't remember seeing that game since we've lived on 122nd Street. Same with my seizure figure from Shadows of the Empire. So I think some dirty Mark-ass tricks were stealing some of our dope shit. But uh, I don't know. And you see, that's weird. Know, either that I, that's, or we were just children and misplacing shit, you know. <laughs> I did get that. But the thing with Mortal Kombat that used to always drive me crazy was all the fucking characters they'd always, like, throw in the arcade cabinets, right? You know, and start out there. So, you know, yeah. they updated the arcade cabinets pretty regularly. You know, with, like, newer models or whatever. So, you know, if you're a good arcade, you had the newest model of the, the release. So I remember, like, going to the arcade one day and, like, seeing Rain for the first time on there. I'm like, what, what the fuck is this shit? I'm like, there's a, 
Another fucking ninja? What kind of bullshit is this? No one told me about this. I don't have this at home. What kind of nonsense is this? Really, really upset me at the time. I mean, it was really <laughs> cool, but at the same time, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's a cool... Um, I've seen a lot of cool Rain cosplays because they obviously... It's obviously a Prince reference because Purple Rain, but I've seen people like, you know, dress as Rain and Prince do a mashup. That's pretty funny. That's pretty glorious. Yeah, one thing so, that's definitely um, interesting about the ninjas is they've really uh, they've really given them a lot more personality over the years in terms of the different ninjas. You know, they just started out as palette swaps, and nowadays they're actually interesting, you know, and don't, don't all just look like ninjas. But, yeah, they were doing a lot of ninjas yeah. for a while. <laughs> for a while, like, starting in really with Deception... And well, I guess with Deadly Alliance, Deception, and Armageddon, I think some of their character designs were too, too over the top. Like specifically, I don't know what it is, but I hate Sub Zero's design for Deception. But it's just like it's too over the top. It's less ninja and seems more like Ice King, which is like <laughs> you know maybe as an alternate costume, but like. He's literally just like looks like Ice King to me from Adventure Time. You know they're bringing that costume with the Aftermath DLC here. They're giving Sub-Zero his Deception costume. Well, I mean, you know, as a downloadable content, it like I said, it's not a terrible outfit. It's just like, oh god, I don't want to look at it all the time. It's like they they tried to separate them into being non-ninjas too much. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You, some of them are cool though still, but Yeah, like they, Reptiles had a very some fucked up designs over the years. <laughs> But, but yeah, MK, he's also had some classic designs as well. So I think MK9 is one of my favorite reptile designs, if I'm thinking about the right one. But I hated his design in Deadly Alliance. Oh, that threw me off when I first saw his Deadly Alliance design. He had a tail. That, that used to really, really trip me out because, you know, he's... Uh... But they've changed his look every game. I mean, there's never been a single game where reptile looks the same, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, between one and two, he's pretty much the same. <laughs> and that was about it. I'm old. My back hurts. <laughs> but they, uh, you know, definitely, I got to say, the, the games that they've, uh, you know, Trilogy is, is great. The original three are great. And having it on arcade, you know, it's great. But I got to say, I mean, I have Mortal Kombat 11. And when it comes down to it, if I'm going to play... Mortal Kombat game, you know, it's going to be Mortal Kombat 11, and I think that this series of three games that NetherRealm has made since 9, X, and 11, like, those games are all fantastic, and personally, I think that, like, 11 is my favorite so far. It just feels like the fighting in that game is super, super on point. One of the things that I love in that game is that, um, you know, like, I, I battle with my brother all the time. He's kind of my main spar. Shout out to Matthew Bartocci. And, uh, you know, we just kind of crack up because every time we fight each other, you know, the, the the fighting is so in the pocket in that game and it feels so nuanced that there's always stuff happening that you just, you know exactly what happened. It feels like it exactly mimicked what you did on the controller, but the timing is so perfect and it's so weird. And you're just like, oh my God, I can't believe I just dodged that. And like, just the weird stuff that can happen in that game, I think is really a testament to just how fantastic NetherRealm is. And since they brought the series back to the 2D roots, I mean, it's been just, they've really gotten amazing. Yeah, see, that's one of the reasons I went away from the game for a while, right? Because I'd played 
Mortal Kombat mythology is Sub-Zero, right? And that's, you know, basically a 2D side-scroller where you're playing, like, an action game, but you do have some, like, Sub-Zero's moves, which is... It, and it's game a fun game. Should have it's been a aborted. fun game for about an hour and a half. <laughs> and I, I rented it. Luckily, I didn't I didn't get suckered into buying that one. I rented it and played it for, what, a two- or three-day rental, whatever the hell it used to be back in the old-fashioned times, when you used to have to, like, leave the house and go get shit. Yeah. Instead of just having it delivered or downloaded. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I remember um, Mortal Kombat 4 on N64. We across the street neighbors had it, and we borrowed it a couple times. And I really liked Mortal Kombat 4, even though it introduced, like, the you know, the four 3D mechanics and stuff, and then it had some interesting stuff to it. Um, I, I liked Rico or Raiko or however you want to say his name. I just liked that there was a ninja, another new ninja, and he wasn't wearing a mask, even though he's not really a ninja anymore, if you go into his history and whatever. He's more of like a Shao Kahn wannabe. He wants to, like, take over his spot and, like, fucking live in his skin and Buffalo Bill his ass, basically. But... Yeah, uh, there was also like Fujin, who I think Fujin actually appeared in Special Forces before that. But like you know, they had another kind of godlike character like Raiden. I think they there was also some shitty characters introduced in that one. But you know, yeah, um, the good and for the a bad. While, they were good at introducing new characters. Still, even in Mortal Kombat three, some of the characters that are less popular, like Striker or Cabal they still brought back and they've done great things with Cabal's super great has a great storyline now and is awesome so my brother has mad love for Striker <laughs> it's uh it's really funny everyone Striker is the character who I hear people you know don't like the most and stuff but he was really awesome in Mortal Kombat 9 his uh x-ray attack in Mortal Kombat 9 was astonishing you know Striker's a pretty awesome character yeah, I have no hate for Striker. When we played Mortal Kombat 3 as kids, he was one of my favorites, so... Even though he was kind of looked like a chubby cop he did. in that he, game. He but. did, he did. I always thought he looked like he, like, was gonna spill like spill a, a meatloaf marinara all over his all over his shirt, you know? But... Well, yeah, like yeah, he, he would seemed have a like meatball the type sandwich. Of guy. <laughs> if you met Striker in real life from Mortal Kombat 3, he's the type of guy that's part of, like, a fucking local militia and goes and stands outside of a fucking hair salon somewhere in a small town. <laughs> <laughs> So, what I remember, I got back into, throughout years, I, you know, you go through kind of phases of what you're super into as a kid, what your interests are, and at least in terms of pop culture and toys and, you know, the zeitgeist of that shit. And at, at one point, me and Nathan, and I want to say our friend Logan, some other random people, in and out, but mainly me and Nathan were big into Mortal Kombat for a time, mm. and that's when I got... I picked up Mortal Kombat Trilogy used from GameStop on PlayStation, and we played the living fuck out of it. We would always, um, I would always bring my copy of Deadly Alliance over, and I remember us just, like, playing the shit out of it, like, for just hours all night. Oh, yeah. And then um, Deception came out, and that's one I didn't play a whole lot, because I had kind of gotten, you know how you do, you go in and out of phases of things, especially when you're younger, it's a lot easier to do. But I, I didn't really play that one much. But by the time Armageddon was coming out, I was fucking stoked. Because finally there was another game, and they were including every character. They included Create a Fighter. Which you can rank these however you want. But still, just the fact that they were doing that at the time was super exciting. 
and I was super fucking stoked for that. I remember you and me were tracking that. You and I were like tracking the release, like checking every day for like new release characters and stuff. We were super into that. Yeah. That was one of the few things that I was like, I was a member of the Midway Mortal Kombat forum at the time. <laughs> like, that's one of those few forums that I was early on a part of, like, of a of a certain type of geek culture like that. Like, everybody was already talking about all the characters they were going to design for the Creator Fighter system and having stuff ready for it. And even though the graphics of that game turned out... <laughs> <laughs> Not any better than Deception, in fact, a little worse, because there's so many characters and things and options shoved into it. Um, the only real gripe I had with that game was Motaro. I was like, man, you should have planned for that better. They were like, well, we couldn't do it because of the character design. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> they made it so Motaro like, lost his whole horse body and just was like, basically Danny DeVito's character from Hercules. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So that is one thing that I I did find like you know you look back at the history of Mortal Kombat right is the way they've the way they changed a lot of the character looks and stuff right you look at Mortal Kombat one two and three and the way they did the mocap of the actors actually doing a lot of those characters and the moves and stuff so you get like actual realistic looking movement for something that's basically was turned into a bitmap and made that way like they look really good for side scroller games I mean compare those to like well, yeah, those Instinct first ones are or just basically photographs. Yeah, and, and they look good, right? They look pretty fluid for the movements, right? Two and three were very similar in a lot of the ways they did that. Beautiful games. And yeah. that's why those are so much fun. But when you get to the 3D stuff, you lose all of that, right? So, And I think that was mm. one of the things that was like, eh. And it felt like they're trying to do... I mean, I get it, right? You want to you wanna break the mold a little bit. So you try to do something a little different than what you've done, and there's other fighting games doing 3D fighting open more of an open world 3d fight where you you know you've got a bigger platform to go around and stuff like that but um definitely miss out on 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 some of that stuff in some of those mid-level games there and then obviously they've returned their roots since which i think now is amazing because you know you can kind of change the angles of some of the levels it's not a full 3d thing but you do have some objects in the environment you can interact with which i think is the best of both worlds right the the visuals look amazing the game plays great on 11 and um, it just feels like a very cohesive Mortal Kombat game. Yeah, they definitely... Um, I think with Deception and Armageddon, and after Armageddon, they realized, all right, our story's gotten pretty convoluted, and they were just... That's what they tried to do with Armageddon, was just trying to reset it. But then probably once the smoke cleared from Armageddon, they were like, all right, well, we don't want to just completely destroy all of the characters and start fresh. We don't actually want to do that. Why don't we find a way to do that and uh, not fuck things do up? Do the best reboot and then ever. They went back and exactly, it's it's when they went back and did Mortal Kombat Nine. Like I said, Justin, if you haven't, you got to at least watch the YouTube videos of those stories because the storyline of Mortal Kombat Nine and the gameplay and the outfits it was fucking solid. And it defined what they came to do with Mortal Kombat 10 and 11, which, you know, Mortal Kombat 9 is obviously, like, it's essentially Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and 3 redone. And then they're like, all right, but some things are changing, and then things are going to continue to change, so it's a whole new timeline. But it's yeah. also... It's a sequel. It's nostalgic. I don't know. It's a sequel it's hard to describe. and a reboot. Exactly. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it, one thing. Exactly. 
One thing I got to give like a lot of props to NetherRealm and Midway because I mean a lot of the guys from Midway moved over to NetherRealm and NetherRealm was formed and that's when Mortal Kombat 9 started but like you know well they were going through all that stuff with the 3D fighters and I had a lot of love for Deadly Alliance I remember you know printing off sheets of fatalities yeah. and um but like you know I I don't think they were like allowed to stay 2D at that time I feel like there was a push in the industry where it was like if you weren't 3D you were a relic and it was kind of cool when Mortal Kombat 9 came out because those games, you know, they were interesting. They were good. NetherRealm, or sorry, Midway was always doing and trying new things. And that's what's kept the blood of the franchise so fresh always. But um, when Mortal Kombat 9 came out, it really brought it back into, you know, the fighting, just the core fighting experience became so much more rich, um, you know. Yeah. They did a great job with it, so... Yeah, I'll have to Definitely. check those videos out. Nathan sent me a bunch of links, and I just haven't had the chance to sit on and watch them all yet because he sent a lot of content over. So I'm sorry, I've been spamming. It's like you. watching. <laughs> yes, no, it's spam spam. I was like, Jesus Madison. Christ, he sent me the mother load. <laughs> exactly. You know, I've been doing a little bit of homework, just making sure that my my chops are up for this. But you know, there's definitely some key key talking points. One thing with Mortal Kombat Nine that. Um, you know, and that's still, I think, most people's favorite. You know, if you go onto, like, the Reddit and stuff like that, people are, you know, they always post the character roster from 9. Everybody wants every character from the trilogy games to be back all the time. But, like, that's when they decided that story mode should be cutscenes, then a fight. Cutscenes, then a fight. Cutscenes, then a fight. And no more of this, like, running around, you know, nonsense that was there before. And, you know, they've carried that on. So, I mean, really, it's just like 9 was this perfect culmination of... It was just like, this is what this game should be. Keep it this, you know, like forever. That's fine. Yeah. It simplified it and advanced it and revitalized it, and it fucking ruled. The only thing that they put... Um, I, it's like the creator fighter thing was fun in Armageddon, but it wasn't expansive enough because it was PS2 and they couldn't put enough into it. I don't think I care enough to have it into the new games because they create such good characters with their own stories and stuff that I don't think you need to create a fighter in something like Mortal Kombat. It's fun, and I would do it if they put it in there, but um, they also had... Uh, what are they called? Com- oh, motor combat on Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> that was like Mortal Kombat Mario Kart, pretty much. And it was pretty fucking bad, but I would play it because I wanted it to be good. It's the unsung well, hero. Well, yeah, you're out there, you're paying, you're trying to get your bang for your buck, man. Like, back in the day when we were playing those games, right, it was, like, we, we, you know, we grew up in a house of four kids, right, so, you know, everyone shared all the games we had, but, you know, I remember, you know, you just had limited resources, so it was like, well, we're gonna get what we get, and you better fucking hope it's good games. And so... Um, you know, obviously as the used game market got a little bit better and places like GameStop and that stuff started popping up, it was a lot easier to find games and get secondhand games and trade games and stuff like that. Cause beyond that, you know, you occasionally get to like trade or borrow a game from a friend, a neighbor or somebody or rent a game for a weekend, but, uh, you know, you're stuck with it. So it's like, I was happy I had Mortal Kombat three, Mortal Kombat two was awesome. One, I just remember playing at friends' houses a lot. And then. Same thing with two. Played two at you know friends' houses a lot when we'd go over there. And then when I finally had three, it was like, oh, I don't have to be like, 
just okay enough to win the occasional match. Like, you know, you finally got enough chops, you could actually go through and, and win some battles, so. Hell yeah. Well, with that being said, I think we will move on to our next segment. We got a couple more to go, and we're already at uh, 38 minutes. It's fine if we go over this week. It doesn't matter. We will get through everything and just uh, see what we're at then. But uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to Another Man's Garbage. In the early 90s, video games ruled the world, and people were enamored with Mortal Kombat. And so, Paul W.S. Anderson, same guy that made the Resident Evil movies, gave <laughs> the old college try and said, hey, what, I'm going to do this Mortal Kombat game into a Mortal Kombat movie. And what we got, well, we're going to talk about that now. So, did either of you guys see this flick in theaters? I don't believe so. Oh, poor little kids. That's too bad. <laughs> My older brother that got it, too. I'm the old man, and I'm going to need you guys to drop me off so I can go to bed after Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> so I remember seeing this in theaters with, uh, pretty sure I saw this with Joel. I know I saw the other one we'll talk about later, but, you know, the hype for this thing was unreal. And uh, this is a time when soundtracks are, like, uber important to kids, right? Because I didn't have my own music taste you know, as a kid, it was like whatever I liked or something was cool or whatever. So you look back on it, some of it's cheesy. But we listened to the Mortal Kombat soundtrack for that movie all the fucking time. It was pretty bad. I remember I had the CD of it for years. It might still be in a box somewhere. I'm going through Attic stuff recently and looking for any signs because I actually know I have the first two movies on VHS as well. But like you said, the soundtrack for this was legendary. It was uh, so legendary, in fact, that I just dropped 564 cents on it to get a used copy on eBay. <laughs> Should have that soon. Goddamn. That's uh, that like just the watching bank. the movies. Oh, I I'm not going to lie. Watching these movies for the segment, my favorite thing was just listening to the fucking music in the movie. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to kick someone in the face. I definitely have those songs on Spotify on like a playlist anytime I'm on the treadmill, which happens basically once or twice every you know six months i uh I'll put on fire by dj scooter you know something like that it gets me really hyped <laughs> up <laughs> that's awesome hell yeah so um this first mortal kombat movie has a 47 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes which is uh you know that it is what it is it could be worse it could be better has a 58% viewer score. Um, the thing about this movie is, is it's not terrible. It's not wonderful. But it's pretty decent. And if you're a Mortal Kombat fan, or if you have nostalgic ties to it as you, you watched as a kid, or you were a Mortal Kombat fan in the 90s and you watched it, you'll probably like it a lot more than other people. So, um, I liked it. As a kid, I remember watching it all the time on VHS or trying to get people to rent it and shit before we had it on VHS. I was all about that shit. <clears throat> what do you guys... Uh, Nathan, what's your first memory of this movie like? 
I mean, honestly, you know, we already kind of touched on that, but the soundtrack, I think, would be my first memory of the movie because that was just circulating the neighborhood before I even saw it. But we had that on VHS, and, you know, I used to watch it all the time. The movie was just rad when I was a kid. It was amazing. Yeah, exactly. So we'll get into a breakdown of this thing a little bit here, but um, one of the first things I noticed just um, after the New Line Cinema logo fades away, the Batman like esque logo opening reminded me of the movie Batman because in the, the first Batman, you know, you're swooping around the Batman logo and shit. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> got those vibes. Of course, they got all the fire and flames on there, which is pretty sweet, but definitely nostalgic just seeing that opening. And then they got all the music going too, right? And you're like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, it actually is not terrible. So, and then it goes to, you know, Shang Tsung doing his thing, which, uh, He's fighting Chan or whatever, and this actually always kind of scared me as a kid. Just the music and the tone, it always was uh, unsettling to me. Well, yeah, it's 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 as a kid or as a younger viewer, right? You definitely see that, and you're like, oh man, this like this guy just dies here, and this guy wakes up in a cold sweat from a nightmare, right? And you're like, oh shit, they don't mess around with that beginning. But uh, my opening note there was uh, Shang Tsung is just out here whooping ass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I um love the actor that plays Shang Tsung, and he does a great job at Shang Tsung. So, I will say that. Oh, and then um the other note off like the beginning of the movie, I'm like, why the fuck's Liu Kang getting a telegram? Like, what the fuck? Like, not 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 a phone call or anything like that. But then you realize it's coming from monks, and you're like, okay. So all you kids out there now that might not have been around when telegrams are still a useful, relevant thing, um. Go back to the early 90s, and apparently they're still using them for international communications. Yeah, I mean, people still use faxing now. It's fucking weird, but, uh... So, they kind of introduce... They start introducing characters and stuff, and, uh... I had a note here. It's very hilarious. <clears throat> so, there... I was immediately reminded and forgot what movie I was watching when it shows Jackson Sonia... And they're at uh, this fucking, like, fucking metal show and shit. <laughs> and I'm like, wait. Am I watching Ace Ventura? I expected Jim Carrey to walk in and be like, excuse me, is Frank here? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> What's the password? New England clam chowder. Is that the red or the white? You know I can never remember this. Need a super cut of that. <laughs> <laughs> that with I mean, a yeah, right. that with a queen of the dam. You can drop that in there. <laughs> yes, I mean basically we should drop that in there and then have Kano come in there. Just he's take every just movie out, talking to Shang Tsung. We should just take every movie made between like 1994 and 99 that has that club with that exact you know industrial goth rock song playing, and then just put all those together and just you know you'd have. The Matrix, and you'd have The Mask. I think maybe The Mask, I don't remember. <laughs> but, like, you just have, like, <laughs> Spawn. I don't know. Oh, we can put that music in the background. The I was about to say, you just throw The Mask in there when he's doing the, the dance there that is almost the exact same thing as what Kevin does in Ghostbusters Answer the Call <laughs> when he's making people dance and shit. Oh, yeah. Some weird shit there. But um, Johnny Cage's intro in this movie is fucking legendary. Oh, yeah, my favorite part of that is they have this asshole, like, up in there, like, looking like Spielberg. He looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, Johnny, Exactly, come back. I wrote that down. Johnny! He looks like Spielberg. 
<laughs> Hiya, Johnny. Johnny, course, you're ruining me. <laughs> like, even as a kid, you're like, oh, he's talking to Shang Tsung because, like, this guy's hyping him up. And then you don't even learn that guy's name. Like, is that his agent? Is that his dad? Is that his friend? Is that his lover? Like, what is it? Right? Huh. That's just his friend. That guy's never explained. Know, I it was his yeah. lover. That guy has never explained. Uh, no, Which not. guy? <laughs> hi. The guy in his chair? <laughs> yeah. He's just, hiya, Johnny. And that's all you need hi, to know. Hiya, Johnny. He, uh, no, he said, he calls him Master Something, so I, I guess that you're just supposed to assume that he's his old master who taught him all the martial arts back when he wasn't an expert at, uh, food judging. Master Hot Pockets. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> like, My face got stung by a bunch of bees, and I like to eat pie. <laughs> <laughs> you should go find Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Pretty much. So I don't know. I, I didn't. There was no reference to. I, I don't remember ever hearing the words Shaolin monks in this. I also don't know how much of a thing it was because I know some of the Mortal Kombat storyline is retcon. So I don't know when the first time that appeared in the games or anything. But they call his temple the Order of Light. Mm. Um which is, you know, where you see Liu Kang over there, and then Raiden's like, Hey, Liu Kang, fuck you, you're a bitch. You can't do shit, you punk ass. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, but then it, the, the thing that the, the elephant in the room is that this is typical Hollywood whitewashing, and you're like, Oh, Raiden's a crusty yeah. old white dude. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> oh yes. he's, not, uh, he's not the Asian warrior he is in the game? No, no, we got a crazy old white dude. Um, and he's got a really cool, like, raspy voice. He sounds like he smokes a lot. You know, on that... Should have been played that, by Sam Jackson. On that note, though, that you bring up a good point, one of the things, um, kind of flashbacking to, to the new movie that we're talking about, uh, that they're making, you know, the the cast is way more diverse, but, like, one thing I noticed was that um, the actor playing Scorpion is Japanese, and the actor playing Sub-Zero is uh, Indonesian, and that's completely true to their origins, respectively, within the game. And, um, you know, so that's definitely one of those things where they've made, obviously, that's a big step forward. Yeah, Raiden is also played by a guy who is, let me see here. I actually have a note about that because it's pretty interesting. He's in, uh, oh, actually, that's not the one I'm thinking of. Oh, you're talking about the the, the reboot movie coming out next year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, then the reboot, the guy who plays Liu Kang played the Black Power Ranger in the Power Rangers reboot that just came out. And the guy who played Shang Tsung was in uh, Dark Knight as uh, the kind of businessman that they kidnap, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, so they have some names in there. But the I was going to say, I don't know exactly what he is. It, it sounds offensive to say, but uh, I know that the fact the, the guy who plays Raiden in this new one is Asian. I just don't know of what descent, so... Yeah, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to the new movie just to see, because when you have a diverse cast like that, you're going to have diverse fighting styles, hopefully, too, right? So hopefully you're going to see some more traditional fighting styles so it's more closer to the game, right, where everyone's a little more unique with what's going on as opposed to just the typical fight scenes. You know, like all the fight scenes mm -hmm. in the Mortal Kombat movie look look very similar, right? You can tell it's all choreographed by probably the same person there, um, a lot of the styles are the same amongst all the characters, aside from when they try to like throw someone's special moves in there, right? So, yeah. but I did appreciate that it looked like actual fighting. You know, a lot of the moves yeah, they're doing. I was like, what you'd see if you've watched MMA, you'll see some of those real style moves in there. So, absolutely, yeah. And I think that the fighters in—I uh, mean, there's definitely, you know, one of the things that I heard um, 
I think in an interview with Jackie Chan talk about was like, you know, and I've never been able to unsee this with movies is when you got the director doing all these quick edits between punches and hits and nothing has, you know, nothing is real because it's all just edited around. And um, I think that, you know, watching the original Mortal Kombat, there's definitely some decent amount of quick edits for sure. But I mean, you can see scenes like during the reptile fight where Robin Shu, uh, who played Liu Kang, he fell right on this pillar and like really hurt his back apparently. And like, you know, you can see that right in the movie. So there's definitely some decent fighting going on in that as well. Yeah. Um, there's a scene, uh, I felt like when, uh, you know, when they introduce, when they're first on the Island, here's another part where I was expecting to see Ace Ventura when they have that whole huge staircase. I expected him to be rolling, walking down it with his slinky. (laughs) <laughs> and uh <laughs> everyone wants a slinky 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 but i was also reminded of indiana jones when uh one of the fucking guards comes out there with sub-zero and they fucking move all the dinner tables and they're like no you don't get to eat dinner now because sub-zero has to kill a guy and uh he comes out there and the guy's like <laughs> and then sub-zero is just like basically pulls out a gun and shoots him like Indiana Jones, but with ice. Yeah, no. I think that that first movie is so fun in certain respects because it feels a lot like the video game, right? Now, there's times where it's obnoxiously cheesy. Like, anytime Scorpion speaks, right? You know? And I guess that's actually Ed Boon doing the voice for that, but Hell yeah. it, it doesn't feel like the character is actually saying it. It just feels like you're in the game because he's, like, yelling. It doesn't ever feel like it's pointed in a direction like towards the other character in the room i definitely think they should have had some more vocal stuff from him but i did like it being in there they really but that's just because i like think i like it being like the game yeah, i do like that too like so one of my favorite scenes though was like when johnny cage is fighting scorpion and they're out in the woods and you know then the next thing you know they teleport to another level right because in the game you know like sometimes you you fight through different parts of levels or you break open and go to other spots. So yeah, I could see why it looks people like were they're excited. at the fucking lost boys hideout in the lost boys. Yeah. So the backgrounds in this first movie were amazing. <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of fun stuff going on in there. Yeah. Like Scorpion attempts to do his fatality on Johnny cage. Yep. And even the backlighting in a lot of those is pretty cool. Like there's lightning going on. There's things in there that like make the environment feel as interactive as it does during the game. So if you're watching and you're paying attention, it it feels like some of these fights are actually playing out like you're watching them. They did real, real good job at referencing the game, I think, too, because even then, you know, when Johnny Cage, as soon as Scorpion explodes, uh, you know, see the photo to my greatest fan signed by Johnny Cage or whatever lay there. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, that's fucking awesome. That's from the games, too. Yeah, that was his friendship, wasn't it? I believe that was Johnny Cage's friendship that he did there. I honestly can't even remember what it was from. I just remember seeing it in the games. Yeah. I didn't look it up, but... As absurd as this shit was, I'm really surprised that this movie or the second movie didn't have a babality in it because as much as they had in there, <laughs> you know, they referenced the, the other stuff. Yeah, Johnny Cage's nut shots for Goro, always awesome. <laughs> yep, and yeah, and, you know, obviously Johnny Cage is basically based off of uh, Jean Claude Van Damme's character in Bloodsport. Yes, yeah. So that's why yeah. he does that. That's why he has that signature move. So you know, seeing that in there again is pretty funny. And then 
his fight with Goro is like, oh, here's a matte painting, and we're gonna zoom out really far because like we can't show like him fighting this giant puppet. Well, <laughs> you know, right. like all the stuff in there is really, um, really well done. That Goro, I mean, Goro animatronic, good. yeah, that Goro animatronic was uh, like super, super, like you know, high tech. But apparently, it wasn't. It didn't behave very well on set, you know. So they had to cut cut certain things out. But yeah, I mean, that's like a super advanced animatronic, you know. Barely missed the cutoff before they would have turned it into, uh, you know, the Scorpion King. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the other. That'd have been fucking terrible. But I, uh, I do like, um, like I was saying, all the moves that are put into it from the game, like Luke King's bicycle kick. One thing we didn't talk about is how Scorpion's hook comes out of his fucking hand, Gina, his hand Gina. <laughs> Yeah, and, I'm a scorpion. Has a face I got a hand giant. Well, Alec, every like, everything needed a, a dinosaur in the '90s. Everything needed a dinosaur somewhere. So they realized this was their opportunity to sneak in a little dino, dino action into this thing. <laughs> dino DNA. <laughs> yeah, the little reptile popping up. Now I did like how they had him in the story. Like he he's a hidden character in the first game. So he's a hidden character in the movie. That like, is awesome. That's a little too parallel on there. And then he gets thrown into like a statue and becomes a human. You're like, uh, whatever. Yeah, that's kind of one of those moments where I'm like, uh, whatever. At least he's a reptile now. <laughs> <laughs> By that point in the movie, you're just like in such a, you know, a daze of flashing imagery and fights. You're just kind of accept it. You're like, that's cool. He's bugs. I'm not even going to question <laughs> that. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, Katana basically loses on purpose to fighting Liu Kang, and she's like, you know, they clearly start their flirtation that carries on. You know, they're giving each other, like, doe eyes and stuff, and she's like, use the elements to win your next battle. And Shang Tsung's like, fucking shut your mouth, bitch. What's funny is you can see Raiden... win this tournament. (laughs) You can see Raiden put in the buckets of water before that fight. Like, he's just over there like, I'll put these right here. And he just dips out. Yeah. Like, that's not interfering. It's fucking hilarious. (laughs) That's not cheating. And then, of course, yeah, and then, of course, like, he's, like, suicidal, uh, sub-zero is because he's like, oh, just freezes himself to death. You're like, can a guy that can freeze things out of his hands really freeze himself? Ponder me that, Batman. (laughs) Sorry, riddle me that, Batman. I sound like a jackass when I say it wrong. (laughs) Yeah, ponder me this, Batman. Bat, Bat dork. Like... Ballpoint banana. Howl at the moon. <laughs> and then you get Goro's right? rampage, right? So, you know, Nathan, a minute ago you were talking about, like, all the stuff for Goro they had to cut out. So you're just assuming that when Goro, like, gets up from his meal when Shang Tsung comes in, he's like, is it time? And he's like, yeah. Okay, cool. So comes out there, and then, you know, like, you just see a bunch of people die, and then everyone's like, oh, how are we going to beat this thing? And it kills one of their friends. It's, like, not actually a character from the game. Just some random guy from Earth Realm. That poor guy. Right. But that guy, his character, as far as a movie original character from Mortal Kombat, I liked him. He obviously didn't have much development. But they kind of wanted to make you feel for it a little bit. That's why they had that, you know, 30 seconds where Johnny Cage is like, oh, hey, I know who you are, but I'm Johnny Cage and I'm better than you, so I'm actually going to forget about you and you're not going to hang out with us for the whole, whole movie. Yeah, he was like, yeah, what's no, his name I mean, in Empire Strikes Back, you know? Right now, I feel like I could take down the whole empire myself. 
It's <laughs> like, you're a red shirt. <laughs> Good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> you're a red shirt, yeah. bro. Good luck. <laughs> you're out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, best... you won't be dead in 10 minutes or anything. The best line in the entire movie, though, comes after Johnny Cage wins against Goro. He says, those are $500 sunglasses, asshole. Oh, yeah. And then he kicks him off the cliff. Johnny Cage course, is hilarious this whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, he's the highlight of that. Oh, you know who uh, did the voice of Shao Kahn at the end and also voiced Reptile? Frank Welker. Uh-huh. Is that the claw? Now, one thing I read I actually didn't said, even know that, but I had to think in my head just now. <laughs> and I listened to the voice of Shao Kahn, and I was like, oh, that sounds exactly like Claw from Inspector Gadget and Megatron, which is Frank Welker, so. Yep, so he did that. Now, one thing I read that uh, he did Goro's voice, too. Which I could see, but um, something else said a different guy did it on 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 the uh, IMDb page. So if anyone hmm. knows anything more accurate than that, let me know. But I think I think maybe he did the growling for it at least, because I can hear it in the Goro growls for sure. So maybe there's some editing where they did both, but I don't know. I like how after Liu Kang fights the reptile, he squashes his head act after he falls back out of the suit and all the worms and shit fall out. I'm like, no one explains the worms to me. Like, is it just supposed to look neat? They're like, you know it'd be really cool, guys? If after uh, he kicks the lizard guy's self ass and then he falls down on the ground and turns to a statue again, a uh, bunch of worms and shit fell out. So, like, when you go fishing, you can just go, like, pick this guy's guts up and go, you know, go throw a line in the water. I just saw that movie, uh, the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and uh, I think the bugs is a surefire win with the kids these days. Yeah, the kids really like bugs, man. They're really gonna love this part. Check it yeah. out. Let's like, do it. <laughs> but that's what adds to the mystique <laughs> of this movie. You know, there's so many funny, just random, like random moments that are hysterical to me. Like, there's this moment where Raiden has a conversation with, like, you know, Johnny Cage. Sonya and Liu Kang, and I mean, it's just the Wizard of Oz. He's like, and you, Scarecrow, you can't win because you don't have a brain. And you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he just goes through it, like, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> but that all adds to the enjoyment factor of this movie, because I'm just smiling ear to ear. In, in both of these movies, Raiden throughout the whole movie is like, I am all powerful and a badass, but I'm not going to do anything. And then near the end of the movie, he's like, all right, I'm powerless now. Do you need anything? <laughs> like, he's like, I cannot Fuck I cannot out of travel. here, you powerless bitch. I cannot travel to Outer Realm. You're like, uh, uh, so what exactly would you say you do here? Like, you're not allowed to fight. You're just kind of hanging out talking shit. I'm going to draw but a But I get it, right? For story development, you, you do need to have someone that kind of guides you through the story and does that. And so when you're taking the limited character palette from... Um, the first movie, right, when they're developing this. I think just the first two games had been out, so it was like, okay, here we go. And they combined the two, game one and game two, for the first movie, so. Yeah. Well, um, we're about an hour in now. If you want to go ahead and switch to our next segment, Top 5. Top 5. Top 5. Top 5. Top 5. This is top five. So we're talking top five this week. Top five Mortal Kombat characters. So we'll start with the number five position, and we'll let our guest Nathan go first. Nathan, number five on your top five character list. Top five with a K. Uh, my number five is Reptile. 
Reptile is sadly not an MK11, um, but yeah, great. He's the first hidden character. He's kind of classic. Um, I really love seeing how he's evolved through the games, kind of developing his identity. Starting in the first game, he was just kind of a could do Scorpion Sub Zero's moves, and you know now he's just one of the coolest fighters and iconic. So number five goes to Reptile. Nice, solid pick. Reptile was always one of my favorites as a kid, so. There you uh, go. My number five is going to be uh, someone who first appeared in the game. Actually, he's a Mortal Kombat character who first appeared in Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm, the cartoon series from 1996. Later on, he would appear as a character non-playable in Mortal Kombat Mythologies, and finally as a playable character in Mortal Kombat 4, Quan uh, Chi, the Sorcerer. Quan uh, Chi always intrigued me as a kid, uh, specifically Mortal Kombat 4 mainly. But um, once you got around the Deadly Alliance, that's when he became one of my favorite characters. Because uh, that game is really intriguing. The storyline's cool. Um, he has a lot of cool moves. He's basically a necromancer, sorcerer. I always like when he has a really super deep voice and he seems like all fucking demonic and shit or something, you know? He's just kind of a weird and interesting character, but uh, yeah, Quan Chi is my number five. What do you got, Charles? Uh, I had num Jade is my uh, number five. So she was one of the hidden characters in Mortal Kombat 2, and I remember, you know, so I said I had on Game Gear, right? Um, so you have Smoke and you have jade that are both playable opponents in mortal kombat 2 and i remember like on the game gear i couldn't get to smoke but i could get to uh jade so it was like always my goal when i was going through the fighting scrolls to get that extra match and fight her too because the game was so limited anyway but i could unlock that match and then i just liked her fighting style in uh those earlier games there so i thought that was a good character so dope uh, Nathan, what do you got for number four? Uh, number four is going to go to John claude Van Damme himself, Johnny Cage. Um, yeah, just he's he's always been the comedic relief of the story. Uh, I think that he's got probably my favorite story arc, just seeing him go from this total ass to, you know, this really awesome kind of hero and father, and seeing those mash up in MK11 was also just really rad. But most importantly, he brought the nut punch, and I don't think that can be understated. Hell yeah. I sound like Miss America as I, <laughs> as I read my number four. My answer is Johnny hey, Cage. <laughs> We're all inclusive on this. So you, you can be whatever you want to be on here, buddy. If you want to be Miss America, fucking A. Nathan, <laughs> I just crowned you Miss America. What are you going to do? Probably uh, all right. have a shower. I don't know why. All right, I gotta have a shower. <laughs> Somebody let me in. So my number four is uh, a blind swordsman named Kenshi. Uh, Kenshi's a badass character. He uh, came around in Deadly Alliance. He was one of I set, you know, like every couple games they have, they introduce new characters every game, and a couple of them always stick. 
or at least they stick in your head, and a couple of them always you're like, fuck that. Like, um, for example, I really don't give a fuck about Movado, but, you know, Kenshi was dope as hell. You got someone who was wielding a sword for the first time a lot, and uh, he was blind, so that's also cool. He had telekinetic powers, so, yeah, Kenshi's my number four. My number four is uh, Smoke, actually. So, man, like, growing up, playing those first couple games, the some of the ninja characters, like, are always my favorite, and I liked... I liked... Scorpion and Sub-Zero for certain reasons, right? You know, their their moves there, but some of these the hidden characters that could do similar things, I just thought it was so cool that, you know, it was like, oh, here, we're going to throw in this other character, right? So, like I said, Smoke starts in Mortal Kombat 2, and you, you can unlock to battle him. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then I did like seeing him make his switch over to the... Uh, uh, the cyborg battler in uh, Mortal Kombat 3, right? And, you know, you kind of get that backstory that as part of the clan he's in, he's like, oh, I'm going to volunteer for this project and goes over and does that. So I like how, you know, yeah. you can play him and then then you when you get to play as him, he's evolved a little bit. So it's not just a complete palette swap, even though it is a palette swap of the Cyber Ninjas in the third game, like you just get some fun stuff there. So, And then he's appeared in a lot of the games doing different things. So I think it's pretty cool that I just like that character. Yeah. Oh yeah, Smoke was always one of my favorite Neat. picks as a as a kid. Just the robots, I would always go Smoke for some reason. What do you got for uh, number three? Uh, number three is going to go to Raiden. Um, I've got some pretty basic choices here, guys, but Raiden is my favorite uh, just because he's been through every single game, and I really love him as a character um, because he always makes, he's always trying to make the right decision, but he always makes like horribly catastrophic decisions that most often like lead to Liu Kang dying or people just dying, and he's just a really interesting He's character. the Larry David of the Mortal Kombat universe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he's, he's cool. He's a cool character. He's a god, but he makes mistakes, and I really love that. Yeah, him. Interesting note about Raiden, he's uh, missing from Mortal Kombat 3, but they did put him in Trilogy and stuff, so. I didn't even notice that. That's so weird. Isn't it? And Mortal Kombat 3, Scorpion's also not in it. Oh, yeah, but then they had to, like, re-release ninjas on there. (laughs) Yeah, they did. He's either in Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 or Trilogy, but, I mean, he's eventually in those again. He came out in Ultimate Mortal Kombat, which is the version that's on the arcade one-up, by the way. Thank God. So, Scorpion's in that game, but, yeah. That was a weird choice. (laughs) My number three goes to a character who debuted in Mortal Kombat 3 and I believe has appeared in Deception Mortal Kombat 9 I think he's in 11 at least as DLC I'm not 100% sure on that but he's uh, Nightwolf I like Nightwolf Mm. Um, you could say that he is a stereotypical portrayal of a Native American but at the same time it's less stereotypical than like fucking a lot of other characters before it. At least he uh, doesn't talk and say a bunch of offensive shit. But anyway, I always identified with the little Native American blood I have in me, which is to say it's almost none, but I always thought it was cool, and uh, Native American culture always interested me. But I really liked his moves. Like, um, he would, you know, basically have like a... Sp- 
spiritual, like, fucking pull out, like, a laser axe or whatever, and then the fucking bow and arrow. And he obviously turned into a wolf, so... A wolf? <clears throat> yes. I think that uh, Nightwolf is a great choice, too. I think that he does, like... I think that he's good, you know? I mean, I think it's a positive thing, because, like, in Mortal Kombat 9, he's got one of the most noble storylines, you know, as a character. Oh, yeah. So I think that they really do justice to the Native American heritage and kind of give give Native Americans, like, a badass fighter in the game, you know? I mean, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, I've seen one of his alternate costumes has, like, where he's wearing the head of a wolf, and he has, like, more war paint on and stuff. He has some really cool outfits and there's one where he has a mohawk in deception i think so there's some really cool stuff out there for him but that's my number three i was always a huge nightwolf fan yeah no i can i could definitely see why that's a cool character so my number three is the og reptile right i remember going over to my friend's house like in your plan mortal Kombat, right and you know he'd figured out how to unlock the battle with with reptile and so like we get down there like what the fuck is this and then you can't play as him and like there's nothing else of him like it was just such an elusive thing and if you didn't do all the prerequisites right you couldn't get to it so like when you did get to it it was pretty awesome seeing that seeing that hidden character come out and then um that was my favorite character to play as when i was playing mortal kombat 2 in the game gear reptile there so um obviously mortal kombat 3 you know i switched other characters up and um, you know, Reptile kind of came and went as there, but just for the OG nostalgia feel for me, Reptile's uh, number three on the list. Dope. What do you got for number two, Nathan? Number two is going to Special Forces Sonya Blade. Um, she's just a badass fighter from the first game, and, uh, you know, kind of started the tradition for the franchise of bringing really badass, you know, female fighters into the game, and... That's always been something that I really like. Now, you know, they've even gotten especially good in, the, like, the later games because, you know, for a while they'd be... The clothing was kind of stupid and juvenile, but, but like, you know, overall I think that it's kind of cool where it's like, you know, if if my wife wants to play or something, like, anybody who wants to play and, like, you know, they identify more with the female fighter, like, I think that's really rad. But more importantly, Sonya is just badass in the game. Um, great kicker. And excellent grappler in the new game. She's really good at like kind of a wrestling style, and so she's always been one of my favorites to play as. She's gotten an uh, excellent set of legs for kicking at me. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there, you clever little fool. <clears throat> yeah. So my number two is going to be Raiden. Raiden's always been a badass in my eyes. But like Nathan said, when you learn more about his uh, storyline and shit like that, he's basically Larry David. <laughs> he just consistently fucking shit up, like burning Liu Kang alive, and like, like, oh shit, sorry, dude, uh, didn't mean to do that. Yeah, oops. Whoops. But then uh, you get Evil Raiden from like Deception and shit like that. It's pretty interesting, even though his outfit was way too elaborate, and it's like. How are you even going to fight in that, bro? <laughs> You're going to have to, like, take off all your clothes to fight somebody, which is fine. I'd rather have a naked Raiden than Raiden that looks, like, all clunky and shit. That'd be pretty weird. Very, very floppy, I imagine. <laughs> um, the first actor who played Raiden... So that's my number the two. The first actor who played Raiden, I think, was... Sorry if you're listening, but, like, was a little chubby, you know? He was, uh... He had a little bit of girth underneath those garbs, which, that's fair. That's fitting. <laughs> 
of a thunder god. <laughs> <laughs> what part of him are you looking at? I don't like you using the word girth. You know, uh, you can just say he is hus- he is husky. He's kind of chubby. Um, you could say he's fat, but that he's, makes me feel like you did a an examination of his. He's got some thunder down reproductive under. Reproductive areas. That's what I'm saying. He's got some thunder down under. I mean, yeah, the girth, you know, naturally. Are you asking if I've personally examined Raiden's penis? Because I have. <laughs> no, I didn't it's really need electric. to know about your obsession with video game genitalia. And it's just genitalia in general, not video games. Yeah. What's your number two? Uh, my number two is Aaron Black. Nice. So that's one of my favorite characters I've been playing as in Mortal Kombat 11, and then like just kind of looking at the background of him coming out in what he come in Mortal Kombat 10, I think is when he's introduced. Just kind of see that, um, you know, you kind of got a gunslinger like an old west type of character in there that just seems so out of place in Mortal Kombat, but perfectly in place with Mortal Kombat. So I just, I don't know, I'm getting a kick out of that character right now. So nice. All right, we're to our number ones, Nathan. Yes, so... Number one. Number one is going to Scorpion, um, the OG. I knew it. I knew it! I know, (laughs) yeah, he texted me. Uh, Yeah, Scorpion, for sure. One thing I thought was really cool about him uh, that I heard, like, Ed Boone, I think, was talking about when they were developing the game is that, like, when they made Scorpion's spear and his teleport, that was basically the moment where they were like, this is what this game is about. And so I think you got to give it to Scorpion um, for kind of helping pave the way for all the crazy special moves and all the crazy stuff that we see fighters doing later. Hell yeah, Scorpion's dope. He's not my number one, but hey. <laughs> uh, what is your my, number one? My number one is Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero's just always been my favorite since I was a kid. Um... Yeah, I don't even, uh, and by that I don't mean necessarily Sub Zero Bihan versus uh, are you, later are you referring to uh, version of Sub Zero. Are you referring to uh, Bihan or Kwai Liang, Alec? I'm referring to. I'm referring to. <laughs> uh, either one, I really don't care. I like just Sub Zero in general. Um, I really like. The idea of Mortal Kombat 3 Sub-Zero. Like, his costume and outfit and his scar and shit is pretty dope and interesting. But I was always a huge Sub-Zero fan. I always wanted to play Mythologies, but I was like, this actually is hard and difficult, so I never really played it much. He's just always been my favorite. What are you gonna do? What do you got for number one, Charles? Well, you son of a bitch. We are brothers. Great people think alike. Sub-Zero, of course. Fucking Sub-Zero. What, what's not to like about Sub-Zero? Freeze as a motherfucker. That's always been one of my favorite things. Like, that's one... <clears throat> that's some of the classic characters, right? So Scorpion and Sub-Zero are, were, were a close consideration, but I do like Sub-Zero better just because, you know, I, I played more of his character and did more of his fatalities and stuff, so... Um, yeah. But, you know, you can always pick up a Mortal Kombat game and you could either do Sub-Zero Spear or, or not Sub-Zero Spear, uh, Scorpion Spear or Sub-Zero's Freeze Move, right? And you yeah. at least had, like, 
a standard way to like, okay, I know a couple character moves just to get started with here. And then I, that's how I always judge the gameplay, like how easy it was for me to achieve those things and get some of those moves done. You know, it's like, oh, okay. So, um, and then with Mortal Kombat 2, I didn't do a lot of the fatalities on the Game Gear. I just, you know, never like printed anything off. And so I was playing it in the car. So, you know, you'd figure a few out on accident once in a while. But I remember like the first fatality I'd always do when playing Mortal Kombat was Mortal Kombat 3, and it would be Sub-Zeros, right? Where it's block, block, run, block, run, and he'd freeze you and pick you up over his head and split you in half. And uh, such an easy fatality to achieve, and just like an iconic one of that, because he lifts you up, and then, of course, that's when Sub-Zero's character look has changed and evolved, right? You know, he's got that scar, this is the other Sub-Zero, you're like, oh, okay, there's some mystery here, there's some other stuff going on, so... Sub Zero is yeah. my number one. Like that's always the one. When I think Mortal Kombat, I just think the ninjas. Like to me, Mortal Kombat, even more so than like Shang Tsung or Shao Kahn or any of the the big baddies in there is like you could just do a picture of Scorpion battling Sub Zero and you can fucking it, summarize and like just show people what it is and they'll know. Oh fuck, that's Mortal Kombat. Yeah, oddly enough, Sub Zero is in every Mortal Kombat game. But <laughs> Scorpion, like I said, is missing from Mortal Kombat 3. Uh, Sub-Zero might not be in Special Forces, but he's in every other game. Yeah, but he's also so, in, yeah, like he's also in you know, Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub-Zero, so that's at least like five points off. No, because he's the only one do? that was bold enough to get his own game, and he also... <laughs> That's when they invented Chinook, or whatever his name is, however you say that. Chinook. I like Chinook. 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 Schnooks. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminds me of the grocery store, and like, you know, you're kind of hungry, like, hey, what's Chinook cooking up over there? <laughs> I have no use for excuses. Oh. So, <laughs> speaking of that, and Schnock, <laughs> we're going to move on to our next segment. This movie is so bad. This movie is so bad. It's still pretty fucking awful. Alright, welcome to So Bad It's Still Pretty Fucking Awful. Our new segment about terrible movies. That are hilarious and entertaining to watch. Uh, this week, where it's our Mortal Kombat special, we're talking about Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and it came out in 1997. The critic score is perhaps the worst critic score I've come across yet for anything on our show. <laughs> a two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Ah, it's glorious. That's a beautiful thing. I can't calculate. A twenty-five percent viewer score. <laughs> I can't calculate just two. Fucking Willy Wonka. It's one more than one. That's what the director said. He was like, let's just say 200 then. Let's just say 200. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. I can't calculate just two. Uh, Let's see here. So, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, I think I did see this in theaters. In fact, in a mall, I believe. And um, unless... I'm mistaken, you might have been there, Justin, but if not, it was just with Dad. Yeah, I can't remember who I saw that with. I know I saw it in theaters, though, because I remember seeing 
so this movie is fucking <laughs> terrible. It is fucking bad. <laughs> like, I had a hard time paying attention to this when I was just watching it before, and I just watched them both back-to-back, basically. And I was like, one, yeah. I was having a good time. I was watching along. I was like, oh, yeah, this is good stuff. And then two comes along, and I have not seen this in a long time, and I remember liking two in theaters, but never really watching it again or buying it after that, right? I just... I think what I liked about the movie at the time when I saw it new was all the characters that they threw in there, right? Like all these characters you see fighting. It was like, oh, that's what the cyber ninjas look like. Uh, Oh, that's what all these characters look like. You know? Mm -hmm. But the first thing I did when I started watching this movie today is I took note of everyone that got fucking recast because no one wanted to come back after the first one. The first one was like, okay enough where they're like, yeah, I don't know if I want to be fucking associated with a sequel to that. That was like, eh, eh. <laughs> it's like a McDonald. It's like eating a McDonald's. You're just like, yeah, it gets the job done, but it's still not like eating at a five star restaurant, you know. So, and uh, yeah. eating eating Mortal Kombat Annihilation would be like eating out of the dumpster of McDonald's. Yeah, I mean, Mortal Kombat so, Annihilation feels like it would fit in as like a Happy Meal toy. Like, they should have thrown that VHS in the bag because, like, that's about... It, based on the budget for the movie, like, if I was comparing it to a toy, I would say it's like a Happy Meal toy. Yeah. This is, uh... The costumes in this went down in quality, like... Everything um, went way, way down all, in this movie. All of it. Like, Shao Kahn is just the goofiest, most over-the-top, retarded person in the world. Um... In six I mean, days, Cage it shall be destroyed. Exactly. <laughs> Annihilation. <laughs> what I love you is know, the most disappointing his mouth thing to never me opens. is you in. Mor- well, yeah, but you in Mortal Kombat One, with Shao Kahn sounding like a total badass breaking through. And I've come for your souls. Yeah, and it sounds awesome. Like, oh, sweet, that's going to be a badass sequel, like they set up. And then you get there, and you're like, hey, oh, <laughs> Sonya Blade's changed. Um, and the actress but that plays also, Sonya Blade, let me just talk on this real quick for a second here. So she's also in Happy Gilmore, right? And so she originally was in negotiations for Mortal Kombat. They were taking forever to get it like through development and getting it approved to start shooting. And so she takes Billy Madison on as her role, goes and shoots all of Billy Madison and then at the end of Billy Madison I guess whoever it was that was supposed to play Sonya Blade like broke her wrist and couldn't shoot the movie and so she got called in and like basically left the set of Billy Madison and went straight to the set of Street Fighter or not Street Fighter god damn it I'm losing my mind here I'm just making I was about to say you said Happy Gilmore too how many things are you confusing for other things right now everything in the 90s (laughs) is a fucking blur man they were at the well, nightclub. Like anything Adam Sandler is in is not Happy Gilmore, but I get what you're saying, Billy Madison. I thought you were trying to tell me for a second that the woman who also played Sonya in this movie was the woman from. That was Kathy Happy Bates. Gilmore, that was Kathy Bates the other from The Water Boy. Oh, yes. yeah. Kathy Bates <laughs> plays Raiden in this. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I sound like. Don't mind me here. I fell down a flight of stairs earlier and I forgot everything I loved about the 90s. <laughs> so, um, originally Quan Chi had a cameo at the end of this movie. 
and they filmed it. And he appears in packaging <laughs> for the Russian, Chinese, and Italian DVDs. Like he's in the fucking movie. Yet he's not. And that's how much that North American movies care about the, th- the overseas markets back at the time. They're like, yeah, whatever, fuck them. There's a couple things in particular we gotta talk about in this movie. One being yeah. the, the the battle between like the first you know, there's there's a couple things that just happen, but then there's real problems that start arising once Liu Kang is fighting Scorpion and Sub Zero is there. Well, Scorpion versus Sub Zero. That's really the where the first issues are just like, wait a second, wait a second. What the fuck? Where Liu Kang is jumping, and the, the whoever edited this movie did the worst job with all the all of this battle because Liu Kang is, like, flying and screaming and different weird faces, and the sound effects don't match up. And it's like it all of a sudden cuts, and there's an explosion, and Liu Kang is flying from it where he wasn't standing before. I feel like whoever and, directed uh, this movie literally never saw, like, a martial arts movie in their life. Or a movie. Yeah, I mean, really. <laughs> like, the fighting in this movie is so bad. And then um, you got Scorpion versus Sub-Zero. And it's like, this should be a legendary battle. You know, it's like, you finally have Scorpion versus Sub-Zero, and we're watching it in these movies. But, Scorpion's shitty, and he sucks, and he looks like garbage, and Sub-Zero... Is like, he's just like, he sounds like a Muppet the whole time. But he's got the scar. Uh, it's Muppets. Yeah, he's got the scar. That's all that matters. You must, you must go. Yeah, they're like, who are you? Because he's wearing the mask at first, and you're like, whatever. Like, <laughs> you, I get it. You, you killed know, my like brother. You, you want to mix that in there. Exactly. Yeah. One thing I gotta say that I killed you in the tournament. One thing I gotta say that really, you know, there's a lot of things that make Annihilation better than the first one, in my opinion. And I think one of the big ones for me is that Scorpion's spear now has two dinosaur heads, which obviously it's <laughs> like fifty pl- points. They took a note from Jaws two. They're like, how do you do a sequel? Two, double it down, son. Yep. Then here's funny. Nightwolf is played by uh, Lightfoot. Who's a rapper? Yes, a Native but he American also, rapper, and he, he also was, plays the uh, Indian and Indian in the cupboard. Yes, I was going to say that. I had as a kid. Say. Really? Yep. That's fascinating. I did not know that. The yeah. costumes, the costumes in Annihilation are just so bad, though. Like they just look like. Yeah, they look like the Mortal Kombat ninja outfits you could buy online for sixty bucks. Yeah, they do. Right? They look like cheap. Halloween costumes, right? And you're like, if Mortal Kombat 1 is like a good cosplayer and they've done some their homework and they've done some cool shit, Mortal Kombat 2 is like the... For, well, I guess for young people that don't ever remember like mail catalogs and things like that when you had to go get like generic blue ninja from like the Party party City Halloween costumes or whatever else they had, right? Oh, yeah. Um, right. It would be like the Wish.com version of a Mortal Kombat <laughs> costume. With a crack pipe included. And uh yes. <laughs> yeah, this movie really really does a disservice. Uh it they were so they were like let's make sure we get every fighter in this movie. So every fighter's in the movie and every fighter is just horribly 
misrepresented or underplayed or just sucks. And the cliches are out of control. I love the scene when Sonya goes to save Jax and uh, Cyrax comes into plays like Major Briggs. And uh, the music that's playing is just like, they totally just took that out of the Terminator. They just took that right out of the Terminator and they were just like... And uh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, anything they could do classic. that was like cheap to throw in there, they did. Yeah, that shit's hilarious. One of the most, the best thing about this movie, the best thing, is that Shao Kong gets pissed at one point and hits Rain in the chest with a hammer, <laughs> and he goes behind this area, and then fire just shoots up. <laughs> Like, that's just a legitimate way to die. Like, that's his version of pressing the button on his desk like Dr. Yeah. Evil. <laughs> and it's funny because later on, when Liu Kang is battling Baraka, he beats his ass and he kicks him over. And the same thing happens to Baraka. And by the same thing happens to Baraka, I mean the same, the same shot. thing <laughs> happens. Because it's the same exact shot of rain falling into the fire. <laughs> but that also has that also. I mean, come on now. That also leads to uh, one of we'll the best kills. <laughs> that leads to one of the best kills in the right? whole movie as well, though. That yeah, the fact that they use the same shot, it will never happen again. It happened again. This that shot happened again. <laughs> <laughs> but like the funniest part of that whole sequence, and I think my personal favorite part of the whole movie is like Shiva, when she, she just walks into the room, she's just like, the date's over. <laughs> she's just dead, like nothing, right? nothing from Shiva. They're like, we're not even going to try to film a fight scene with this bitch. No. This is too complicated. Just totally. Yeah, for someone who's such a a big villain, too, her costume, which is like as basic spandex as you can get, you're like, R- really? You're not even going to try to do anything with that? They're like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> Right, and it's a shame because in the games Shiva's a pretty dope character. So is Motaro. They could have been more interesting, but then again, so could every other character in the movie. And so in the first, the only movie... person, it's like you got Liu Kang there still, and that's about it. Katana's just like hanging out in a cage in this movie. <laughs> yeah, but at least it's the same actress. But the thing with this movie is right. So the first movie has enough the video game stuff in it. And the way they paste it, it feels fun. It feels fine. You're like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like the uh, friendship or whatever Johnny Cage does. But in this one, Liu Kang's got to go hang out with Nightwolf and be like, you need to learn about how to turn yourself into a goddamn animal. And he's like, really? Right. The problem. And I then you're the like, big oh, we got a story. really bad CGI battle. It's like the CGI is so bad in this. It reminds me of the final battle in Power Rangers, the movie, where like the oh. costumes and shit look good. And then you get to CGI and you're like, oh boy, this, this looks like a. And it's sad because Mortal Kombat had pretty good graphics and stuff for a lot of the games, and, and stuff was well done in there. And then all of a sudden, you're like, we're going to do 3D CGI. And you're like, oh, my God, please don't. You could have cut that whole scene out of there. Like, I didn't need to see, like, a dragon fight, something looking like out of a Godzilla King movie, Ghidra. Right? It looks stop. like Godzilla and King Ghidra. It's... And what's funny is it even sounds like King Ghidra, too, which is really funny. But um, they that whole sequence in that movie achieves zero like nothing happens they turn into the cgi monsters they bite at each other's heads for like five seconds and then they stop and then they both are just like back to exactly square one they're just like all right that was fun it's 
it's the equivalent of in Star Wars when Han Solo says, I know a couple maneuvers. And then it shows the Millennium Falcon <laughs> just like slightly going to the left. And you're like, wow, what a maneuver. <laughs> I know my left from like, my right. <laughs> this whole movie yeah. is like, that is like, this movie really does have another scene from Star Wars too, which is like, what is Shinnok doing in this movie? The fact you don't hear him named except for once, but he's just playing Emperor Palpatine. And it really ruins the mystique about like Shao Kahn being the epic like epic emperor when he's sitting there like Daddy, I didn't kill Raiden, but it's no problem. What? What did you do? You let him <laughs> Let the hate flow through I you. I have no use for excuses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's like Emperor Palpatine but with a goatee. Oh, it's so bad. I know, it's like this is not Shinnok. This is not Shinnok. I'm just saying that because it's no, they true. Just, they just had a name in there, and you're like, hey, who's this old dude? And you're like, oh, well, he's also Raiden's brother. And you're like, okay, now you're yeah, just making another sound thing. like Mortal Kombat Arkansas edition. Like, okay, settle down. Like, not everyone's all fucking related here. They don't need to be. <laughs> they must have taken that and run with it, man, because it's just like, no. You should have. He even says, literally, you should have killed me when you had the chance, brother. <laughs> <laughs> like... The fuck out of here. Who wrote this? The yeah, movie like, cliche handbook? The funny and it's your own brother. Like, yes, I should have killed you when I had the chance. Like, when you were a baby and you couldn't control yourself? Like, this is real dark. Like, how many times did I have the chance? I think it's more than once. Another another right. funny moment is, like, I just, like, at the end of the fight between Shao Kahn and Liu Kang, when the Elder Gods show up and they're like, it will be settled the way as is tradition through mortal combat and then like the music starts kicking in and you're like oh yeah all right this is the big part of the fight this is what we've been waiting for and then like Liu Kang kicks Shao Kahn and then like the music stops like five seconds later and it gets like slow and there's just like nothing happens again and all of a sudden Shao Kahn's just like how is this happening to me and it's it's just it's just such a horrible editing choice. I don't know. This movie is just full of decisions. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Oh, it's wow. bad. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it feels like Shao Kahn got his first period there. Like, at the, he's like, whoa, what's it? It's like, well, when a young lady starts to grow up. <laughs> and, you know, then like, oh, you're bleeding. And you're like, well, yep, okay, there we go. And then we get CGI dinosaurs fighting. And... Then that goes away real quick. Is like, oh god damn, that's expensive. We're like, well, we can't end the movie on that note. And you're like, oh, I guess we'll go back to people. But we talk a like, lot. What the it's, hell are you doing? As easy as it is to talk a lot of crap on this movie, I have to say, when I was a kid, dude, I mean, there was nothing else in the story. So it was like you had the first and the second, and then like the text in the game. And you know, I mean, I I'm not gonna lie, dude. I loved this movie as a kid. I still love this movie. It's so bad. That it's just amazing. Well, that's the thing, yeah. It's worth watching still on my list because of nostalgic value, but it's also so bad that it's funny. It's, 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 it is. It's awful, but it's, uh, it's still Mortal Kombat, and it's, uh, it's fucking hilarious to watch. I had a great time watching it. Oh, yeah, you, you know, like, the number of characters they stack in there from, like, a kid's perspective, like I said, for that nostalgia vibe, you're like, you look at it now and it's terrible, but you watch it well, then the and thing it's is, so much fun. It's mostly just terrible because they're, some of the characters are underutilized. 
Well, like, yeah, they like, you know, Sub-Zero is there for five seconds. So is Scorpion. Those are your characters. Um, I mean, I know you want it to be about Liu Kang and Sonya. And, and, fuck Liu Kang and Sonya. I want Scorpion. I want Sub-Zero. Hell, give me a little bit of Nightwolf. Give me some more Raiden. Give me some Shao Kahn that isn't a weird, uh, like, Buffalo Bill impersonator. <laughs> like, you know, Rain is killed within five seconds, and you're like, oh my god, it's actually an Asian ninja. Oh, never mind. Just kidding. And Ermac. Ermac's here, but he never does anything, and never says anything, just is there. And then Noob Cybot comes out of him, and you're like, is this supposed to be actually Noob Cybot, or are you just like, we're bored. We're going to invent new moves and things. Oh, yeah. Or are they actually trying to hint at Ermac being like, you know, multiple souls bonded together there? Or are they even really aware of that then? I don't, you know. Such a thing. Ten out of ten. That's... <laughs> exactly. Roger Ebert gave this a, you know, 10 out of 10. Shiva gives this four <laughs> thumbs up. Yeah. The must-see movie event of the summer. So that's Mortal Kombat Annihilation. That's It'll make you want to annihilate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> if, you've, if you didn't watch this kid as a child and have nostalgic views towards it, don't fucking watch it. Just save yourself the hassle. <laughs> Go watch Batman and Robin instead. Oh. Oh, wait. Oh. Yeah, wait, don't do that. <laughs> These two go hand in hand. <laughs> Be a good double feature. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. We could do a double feature of that. We need to get the drive-in to do that. That's how Kenshi oh, went. That's how Kenshi went blind, actually. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's glorious. All right, well, that was uh, Episode 8, our Mortal Kombat special. Thank you, Nathan, for appearing as our special guest. Thanks for having oh, me. Oh, congrats on your sobriety, Nathan. Appreciate that. That's oh, yeah. Pretty awesome you've achieved that, man, so good to see you taking care of yourself. Oh, yeah. It's uh, so we've Hell, all yeah. Appreciate that. Really proud of it. I'm really proud it's, of uh, that. Something, that's one thing we want to talk about here and, and normalize these things, right? We're... Everyone goes through shit in life, and if you talk about it and normalize it and you make it okay, that's fine. But I imagine the thing that's hardest for you, though, is just the peer pressure of drinking culture in America has got to be got to be the biggest obstacle to overcome for that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, there's a peer pressure element. I think that it definitely helped when we moved across the country. And, you know, it's just been me and my wife and kind of restarting. That really helped kind of give me some momentum but it's a you know it's always an ongoing process but yeah i've been really really inspired um you know by people like you know david bowie uh anthony hopkins and even steve-o lately just kind of the way that they talk about it and i think that it's really important that the message is out there like you can't help that it you know it has this particular impact on you but you can help by you know trying to take control over that and i think that when i was you know saying that the other day on facebook and stuff too like you know if anything if i was going to say anything to the listener you know i mean if anyone's listening or maybe feels in that position it's just that you know it's it's okay you know and and there's people out there who can support you and and you know it's something that people understand absolutely yeah that's good you know and i've got some 
people I'm friends with that are, you know, sober for one reason or another. And, like, you just got to respect that, right? And that's an awesome thing. So uh, keep up the good work there, just like Alec has been working on taking care of himself. I've been working on things to take care of myself. And uh, life's so much more enjoyable when you're presenting and working on being the best person you can be. But it's always a work in progress, right? You know, it's just like routine maintenance your car needs an oil change new tires once in a while and shit so do we so keep it up man yeah exactly the only so, the uh, only issue is if it's not one thing it's another so you know now i just have this like really hair horrible morphine addiction but i'm working on that so. well i mean you know i would say <laughs> switch from morphine and go right to crack crack is a lot more readily available than morphine <laughs> <laughs> If you guys no. haven't, if you guys haven't smoked meth out of a light bulb, have you even fucking lived? Hey, dude, I use Wish too. Okay, I'm, I'm with it. I'm hip. I know exactly. I'm hip. Now, usually instead of doing these other things, we just find other hobbies that are much cooler, like fucking buying shit. Yeah. I collect spores, moles, and fungus. Exactly. Well, you do have a moldy copy of The Empire Strikes Back, so I fucking believe that. <laughs> Right. No, actually, I looked at the other two tapes, and that's the only one that's moldy. And I was like, of course, my favorite. That's all right. But um, you know how uh, I think Yes Have Some podcast has a what they call friends of the podcast. And they're just kind of like guests or regular people. But uh, a lot of podcasts have things like that. And uh, Nathan's probably going to be frequently appearing on our podcasts. So look forward to that. Uh, we'll, we'll probably refer to these people as our extended frog family. Um, fuck that, we're calling so. them our tadpoles, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer tadpole. That's fucked. Which makes sense, because, I mean, I got a tent pole right now. <laughs> well, really? How many times? I mean, I've jerked it twice since we've been sitting here, so I can't get it up anymore. I've already... Sounds like Nathan's ready to start his OnlyFans.com account. <laughs> well, that is my plug. That's right. my plug for today. Is uh, no, I. Don't... And Nathan's yeah. Nathan's OnlyFans. He plays Mortal Kombat arcade cabinet naked and does exotic things with the joystick. I uh, yeah, I, I play Mario Kart, and every race at the start, I just immediately drive backwards, and uh, just do that all the time. <laughs> oh, so you like saw Ready Player One? Okay, cool. Yeah, 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 just like that. I, I did see that movie, too, actually. It's a good movie. It is. I was hoping you'd get the reference on there. If not, I was going to be like a total like... Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we will talk to you guys next week. We're going to be doing a regular episode, and then uh, the following week after that, we're having Tony Onaveros on. Nathan knows Tony. We all know Tony. Tony's a great guy. Tony Montana. Hey, fuck you. How about that, huh? Yeah, Tony's so awesome. So what I want to hear in the comments on social media this week, though, is we've talked Mortal Kombat. So tell us your your top five. I don't care about your top five characters. I'm not gonna. I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I just don't. What I want to know is your top five friendships or babalities. Tell me those. Those are more interesting to me. I wouldn't even be able to necessarily tell you uh, my top five off the top of my head. I would have to do research for that, which goes against the very premise of top five. Well, then you're not a very good Mortal Kombat fan. I guess neither am I. Nathan Nathan <laughs> might be a better fan than both of us. So, 
He's our video game expert. Whenever we need video games, it's gonna be like that pawn shop show, and we're gonna be like, "Let well, me call go up a guy." Yeah, I mean, well, it's and he'll it's be easy. like, "Best I can do is Mortal Kombat." <laughs> 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 Pretty much, Mortal Kombat. Uh, you know, Zelda. I can talk Zelda. Uh, Mario, I'm good at. I was about to say, you can talk some Mario shit. Oh, I could talk about Mario all day, but, but you know, that's a for another time. But, but Nathan. Nathan can talk about all the pop culture with us, not just this kind of shit. He's well-versed in Simpsons, South Park, I mean, movies, Coen Brothers, all the things. So we will pick another topic next time or just let him join in like that and uh, go from there. So Sounds good. Yeah, you Nathan, if you start buying collectibles, and I don't know how many you have besides your arcade cabinet since that was not cheap. Just uh, keep us in a loop with what you're buying. That way we can justify our buying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I got some cool stuff I can, I can, you know, share. I got a... One thing I'll share that I'm pretty fond of is um, I have a... This is Funny. a gift from Austin, my friend Austin. Shout out. But uh, he gave me a um, an Ocarina of Time edition Link Amiibo for the Nintendo. Um, so it's like a little action figure, but it looks like Link from Ocarina of Time on the N64, and he's holding the Ocarina, and it's probably one of the dopest things um, that I have. It's one of my favorite collectibles for sure. I got a couple. Nice. Hell yeah. Excellent. Well, we'd like to see them. See them online. I really appreciate you guys having me. Well, thanks for Hell joining yeah. us, and uh, hopefully you and Alec get a snuggle soon. Thanks for coming on my face slash podcast. <laughs> These are my dinner guests, the Frog Brothers. The, the, the Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests, Frog Brothers. The, the, the Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests, the Frog Brothers. The, the, the Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests, Frog Brothers. The, the, the Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests, the Frog Brothers. The, the, the Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests.